Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to a special four-part weekend edition of Axios Recap, focused on the unique challenges of back-to-school in 2020. This is all tied to an Axios deep dive presented by Pearson, and this particular episode digs into the rise of learning pods. That conversation with Axios's Marisa Fernandez in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Axios's Marisa Fernandez. So Marisa, let's start here with the most basic. What is a learning pod? So the idea of pods surfaced when many parents and even some teachers kind of emerged from this online only fiasco in the spring, right? So they were just genuinely concerned this experience would be repeated in the fall of their child not getting the educational, social, physical activity that they thought they deserved. And also parents' work lives were completely disrupted as well. They wanted more supervision, but ultimately it came down to they wanted a teacher or a tutor or some type of childcare professional hired by the hour with a group of neighborhood or community students that could learn every day together in a socially distant format. In some cases, this is an actual replacement, right? Kids literally unenrolling from school. It basically becomes homeschooling. And in other cases, it's a supplement, right? You know, you do your Zoom full remote classes and then homework help, as you say, socialization, childcare to a certain extent, but also additional education, right? There's kind of a wide range. Absolutely. It's definitely a case by case basis. We're seeing both. It's an all virtual situation of their school or it's children unenrolling completely from their schools and just going all homeschool. Correct. The thing that jumps to mind immediately is the finances of this and the potential inequities of this, where particularly if you are hiring a tutor or a retired teacher or maybe a teacher who doesn't want to go in because of COVID, that costs money. It can cost a lot of money depending on where you live. Are there concerns that these pods are going to increase educational inequity among kids? That's one of the huge criticisms, even among parents. So when we talk to parents, teachers, tutors, it's hard to put these groups in practice They're expensive, like you said, and they've been criticized for this kind of elitist mindset. And it's a huge equity issue. A single parent and essential worker can't offer up their house or their time to supervise a pod. And like you said, teachers get paid by the hour. And it's kind of ironic how when we talk about teachers pay, teachers are putting up their salaries and their hourly wages to get paid to what they feel like they deserve. When you think about kind of the Venn diagram, particularly if it's a hybrid situation, they've got their pod physically in school, then maybe an after school activity or another neighborhood thing or family. And then this learning pod. Are there concerns that these learning pods will actually potentially increase the spread of COVID rather than decrease it? Absolutely. When we've spoken to multiple health experts, they're advising if families want to go through with this, they have to be super, super careful. All social distancing measures apply, masks, testing options, if that's possible. This isn't a get out of free pass in terms of safety and health precautions. The parents are now the custodians. Someone's house is now the classroom, which needs to be cleaned regularly. And we talk about that teacher that was retired oh, is that because their age or maybe a health condition? So they're also could be at risk. Some nurse practitioner told me once that she said that if pods become a family meeting or a family responsibility, every single person that that family interacts with outside of that pod indirectly becomes a part of that pod. And that could be a huge problem in terms of safety and when we talk about indirect spread of COVID. 
Are school districts themselves taking positions on whether there should be pods or not, particularly for kids who are going to be enrolled, either be it remote or hybrid? So there are several different schools. I know the Seattle School District comes to mind that has come out publicly disagreeing with the idea of these cohorts, this micro schooling. It's the same thing where it's like, if schools have control of all the students and they have the action plan, they don't want anybody to go outside of the action plan. In Seattle, is the concern safety or is it a little bit more parochial? The school saying if too many people create a pod, that reflects badly on us because that suggests that the parents don't think we're doing a good job. Well, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Final question, going back to this question of equity or inequity, you wrote in your piece today that there's some quote unquote pods for all, YMCAs, churches, other nonprofits are trying to create kind of learning hubs. Can you just dig into that a little? What are those? When we talk about the inequity parts of pods, it's extremely expensive and sometimes parents just can't give up their time or even just their space. So a lot of these community centers that were originally closed for the pandemic, like churches, YMCAs, they're giving up those community spaces to just kind of create smaller groups and have interaction of the same level of learning and same educational experiences for kids because it is isolating. We have so much data that talks about how it is isolating for students and for children. They just want to make sure that kids are getting that social interaction or even that homework help if parents can't offer it up themselves. Marisa Fernandez of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, please be sure to check out today's three other episodes and the full education deep dive at Axios.com.